Stick with this flame, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand. Stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on an entrepreneur. He is the founder of Wide Footwear. And this is Melker Sfard. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zuby. Pleasure. Down, man. Well, I've done a very brief intro there, Melker, but tell people who are not familiar with you a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so in short, in short version, I, I've been, always been very active. I was a tennis player, uh, pretty high level. I mean, around like 400 in the world as a junior, traveled the world playing tennis, and then started playing uh, university tennis in the US. Uh, that's kind of a, a route a lot of people go when they end their career uh, to kind of get to play a couple more years. Uh, always been very interested in um, health, fitness, business. Uh, so tried a, a bunch of different things. And um, I think one of the one of the big things that I've felt throughout my life playing tennis is that I have always had a lot of foot pain. And it's fun that like the the circle kind of comes to an end here when starting this company a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, let's run it back a little bit. So tell people where you're from, cause you are, you're not from the UK. You're not from the USA. Tell people where you're from and a little bit about yeah. your backstory yeah. before getting into that. Yeah. I actually grew up partly in Brazil. Um, our, our family moved there when I was like five years old. So I grew up in the American school system in the U S and, um, and then, but I'm from Sweden natively and I've lived, I've lived in Sweden, like kind of like maybe half of my life and then in the, in Brazil and then in the U S and then I've lived a little bit in Spain. So I've been around, always love traveling, uh, seeing different cultures, meeting a lot of people. And, um, yeah, just, I, I do love the multi multicultural. I, I do think there's a lot we can learn from different cultures, you know, traveling around food and different, the way people treat each other, which I think is quite awesome. So love that. Absolutely, man. Uh, just before jumping on, we were you were asking me if I'd ever been to Sweden, and I was saying actually it's uh, it's been on my list, but it's not a country I've made it to yet. So, tell me something I should know about Sweden that I don't. I feel like I have a new admiration for Sweden, by the way, after the way they handled the uh, the whole scandemic situation. <laughs> I, I I I was surprised. I was shocked. I wasn't um. If someone had asked me in 2019 that you know told me what was going to happen 2020 to 2022. And they told me, guess which European country is going to be the most defiant and who is not going to go along with this stuff. And I'll be totally honest, I would not have guessed Sweden. But now when I hear Sweden, um, I hear freedom. So I have a newfound respect for your country. So <laughs> tell me a little you know, bit more about it. The funny it. thing about that is that nobody's more surprised than I am. I, I'm equally as surprised <laughs> as you are. I, I think we would have been the first one. I was saying earlier, I think, you know, okay, now we're days days from locking down the whole country, but it just never happened. And we, I mean, I was, of course, following what, is, what was happening in the rest of the world from afar, but I, I honestly never, never experienced it. We never had any, any mandates of any sort. And uh, there was a very, very short, brief period of, uh, you know, these passports to get into like big arenas. But other than that, it was really nothing. And uh, mm. it was, uh, it was kind of surreal because I, th I thought that, okay, this is okay. gonna get bad. Yeah. So, so you didn't expect it either, even as a Swede. No, not at all. Okay. Because Swedish people are very, I'd say in general, don't really like to stand out. Kind of likes to be part mm. of the pack, and it's kind of frowned upon to be, you know, the one to 
to stand out and to be something. It's, uh, even yeah, though we have a lot of a lot of great entrepreneurs in Sweden, we we have that overall mindset in the population. Yeah, that's what I thought. That, that's how I've always understood. I wonder if it was just a matter of leadership. I guess perhaps um, you I, I, had I more bold and courageous leaders than other countries did because something interesting, and I don't know if everyone knows this, is the UK was actually going to take the same approach. That was initially the plan for the UK, just to keep calm and carry on. And then, um, you know, I think our prime minister at the time, Boris Johnson, actually got he he caught the thing and got hospitalized with it. And I think that right. sort of I think that scared him because he came out of hospital and then suddenly they, they started shutting everything down and doing all the mandates and everything like they they reversed what they were originally going to do, which was similar to what Sweden did, which is, you know, just give people information and carry on as usual. So, yeah, yeah I, it was it was a very interesting time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I will say to Sweden's defense that we are quite irrational as people i think and i think that's maybe something that played a part that it was like okay let's not get emotionally carried away mm -hmm. here let's actually look at the data look at this the facts and I, yeah. I in hindsight maybe that's something that played a part but yeah. well i think germans are also known for being rational and they also True. went crazy <laughs> so, so i don't know but uh yeah i thought maybe you'd have some insight there but uh moving on to what you've been working on recently you you've started a footwear company Mm. So tell me a little bit more about wide footwear, because this isn't just any footwear company. It sounds like you are on a crusade to change the way people think about their feet, change the way people think about their shoes. So tell me how you got started with that. Yeah, well, as I said before, I've always had a lot of foot pain. I've, I have quite wide feet myself, no pun intended with the, the brand name. But and like growing up playing a lot of tennis, I always thought it was normal to have foot pain I always thought it was normal to break in a shoe for two three weeks and then you can wear it and it kind of hurts but it, it's not it's nothing nothing big but then three or four years ago I got really interested in this term called barefoot shoes and I was got curious because I thought maybe this was the answer to what I've been looking for because I didn't know uh, what I had been missing out on and I went kind of crazy with it I ordered a bunch of different brands tried them and I thought hey this is amazing but then I after a while I didn't really like them anymore it kind of hurt me to walk for long periods of times in them and going you know from one extreme to the other extreme um, so then I, I booked a consultation with one of the leading foot experts in the world this was in 20, 2020 uh, 2021 sorry and at the end of the session which was awesome with this company called my foot function he, you know, he did like a 3D scan of my foot. I walked on a thing called a plantar pressure plate to learn how my step, you know, how the, the pressure is divided. And he did like a, you know, manual an analysis of my foot. And then at the end of the session, I asked him, so what shoes would you recommend me? And he was very hesitant to answer that question. And he, and I, and I, that got me thinking right after, like, if this leading foot expert in the world cannot recommend me a shoe that he thinks is perfect then it probably doesn't exist so over the coming days i went back home my mind was spinning spinning with it and i talked to my brother who is like one of the most renowned physiotherapists here in sweden which works with a bunch of athletes and and uh, yeah and we just put our heads together and we said what if we could actually create a shoe that we think is perfect and then at least no matter if the company fails, at least we'll have shoes for life. <laughs> That's literally what we said in the in the beginning, and um, and he was like, "Sure, I mean, it sounds great, but I don't know how to make shoe. Do we do we buy like a, a sewing machine, or how, how do we even do it?" And I had been involved in startups before, so I kind of knew the process. And I just said, "As long as we 
put our heads together. We, we, we figure out exactly how it's going to work. Then I'll make sure that it becomes from, you know, goes from an idea to, to an actual product. And uh, yeah, that process took two years. It was during COVID as well. So it was, couldn't, couldn't travel to um, the countries where we produce them. And then, uh, yeah, two years later, we're super happy with the results. And uh, so are, so are customers. So it's, it's, it's been a fun, fun journey so far. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something that I, I have not talked about at all on this podcast over the past four and a half years. And this is, this is feet and shoes. So I, like most people, don't spend that much time thinking about my feet, my foot health and my shoes. I probably spend more time than the average person, in fact, because yeah. I I train a lot. And so mm-hmm. I have different shoes for different things, right? I have like specialist squat shoes, which most people don't have. I have, uh, you know, different types of trainers for different sorts of things. But what is the problem with most shoes? If I go on your social media, you know, I see uh, lots of uh, tirades about modern shoes and how yeah. they're destroying people's feet and all the problems that they're causing. I don't think this is something that's even on most people's radar, right? They just throw shoes on because they look cool and they're walking around, you know, thousands and thousands of miles in them, or maybe millions over the course of their life. So what is fundamentally the problem with modern shoes that needs fixing to begin with? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think the, I agree with you. I think 99% of people, maybe higher, don't ever think about this problem. And I think a lot of people think that the foot is kind of separate from the body, right? We think of our upper body and then we think about our legs and then it's like, oh, down there are the feet. Like who really cares? The thing about the feet is that they are the foundation of the whole body, right? They're what connects us to, to mother earth and what, you know, it's a very complex structure of bones and ligaments and, and uh, yeah, a bunch of things like muscles, right? So they are li- literally what allows us to stand on two feet. So it's, it's quite an amazing structure of, of being that we've created throughout evolution. And, and, you know, since we started walking on two legs, this is probably 2 million years, 1.9, 2 million years ago, somewhere around there. And the, the, the foot has a lot of characteristics that kind of needs to be respected. And everybody's born with perfect feet, unless you have some like genetic uh, thing, you know, but the thing with shoes, there are really four major components to why they're not optimal. So the first one is shape, shape of the toe box. So if you look at a newborn's foot, or if you look at a foot from a, a native tribe that has never worn shoes in their whole life, you'll see that the widest part of the foot are the toes, which means that there's a, a V shape like that. And if we look at modern shoes, they're shaped the opposite way which means that they are pointy at the toes. They're the, they're the narrowest where the toes are, which puts the toes in an unnatural position, and especially the big toe. Because the big toe is so important. to. It's called the big toe for a reason. It's supposed to take more load than the lesser toes because uh, it has more skeletal mass and, and everything. So when we put the, the big toe in an unnatural position, the, the other toes need to take more load, but we're also putting the big toe to sleep, which affects our whole posture, our whole biomechanics, our whole balance, our strength, our performance, and everything. So that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, the, the sole and how stiff it is. So the, the big toe is supposed to be able to bend quite a lot. Like if you, it's supposed to at least bend like 45 degrees. Some people do a little bit longer. But if you have a super stiff sole where that can't bend, especially then at the big toe, 
then you're kind of again putting that part of the foot to sleep you're 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 literally deactivating the foot then the third thing is something that we call in the industry is a drop which means that the heel is often higher than the front of the foot it's probably something that is of course very obvious in something like a high heel but most shoes have this actually it's higher at the heel and lower at the front and this is actually quite literally like standing downhill and what happens if you standing if you stand downhill you put a lot more pressure at the front of the foot which means that they can never relax and never work as intended and the fourth thing is something called a toe spring and that's where after you have this drop that i just talked about where you're standing in downhill at the end of the where the toes are it's kind of like an uphill slope again which means that the toes are then stretched upwards and that means that the plantar fascia under the foot is then stretched and put in an unnatural position. So to summarize, you're putting your, you're cramping your toes together. You're using a stiff sole so that your toes cannot bend as they're supposed to. And then, and then you're standing downhill and then also angling your toes upwards. So it's really these four components that are so messed up with shoes today that uh, has become so normalized, like you said, because of fashion and because of a lot of different things that we can go into. But it's um, those are the four main things. Okay, I understand that. Given that's how most shoes are designed, what's the reason for that? Is it simply a matter of aesthetics? Is it just that they decided, okay, this is what looks cool? This is what looks fashionable. So this is what we're going to go with. Because when, the reason I primarily ask is because a lot of shoes, even casual shoes that people wear, you know, what people might call trainers or sneakers, um, you know, they come from the world of sports. They come from the world of athletics primarily, whether you're talking about tennis shoes or basketball shoes, cross train. I mean, they're literally named after the sports which they're primarily designed for. And as we know, when it comes to sports, especially at a professional level, things are you know, they, they do everything that they can to try to eke out, you know, an additional 0.1% of performance. So given that, and given that they have all types of specialists there, how and why is it that these uh, so-called athletic shoes all have typically the design of what you've just described, you know, the thick inflexible sole, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the drop, the very narrow toe box and so on. Why, why are they designed in such a way? Um, maybe, you know, some of the history of that. I'm trying to understand, yeah. you know, I know, sometimes just because something exists in a certain way and it's normalized doesn't inherently mean that it's good, but I'm curious coming from that sports world where they're spending all this time trying to perfect nutrition and trying to perfect training and perfect all this. Why would you then have running or people running around in shoes that are, that are suboptimal or which are even causing damage? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that we need to remember is that a lot of sports, are quite unnatural in our evolution. So we're doing unnatural things that some, sometimes require like an unnatural solution. Like for example, if we want to, if we want to run super fast on a specific surface, maybe we do need spikes under the sole to be able to to have that uh, friction. Or if we're playing soccer, then maybe we need a specific curve of the of the toe box to be able to curl the ball when we're shooting it right. And there are specific of those things specific characteristics of those things that I, I just mentioned that can be beneficial in, in some sports. But when we're talking about movement in general, walking, running in general, then there's no benefits to any of those. Uh, and I think that's 
where I'd like to focus on because I, I, I do recognize that. I mean, I've played tennis myself. I could have never played tennis barefoot, for example. That wouldn't have worked because of the way you move on the court. It's a very weird surface. <laughs> you know, the quick turns and everything, it, it would hurt quite a lot. Uh, but if we, uh, the, the first part of your question there, like why are shoes even shaped the way they are? The, of course, there's, there's a long history all the way from back that we walk, walk as I said, started walking on two, two feet and we probably hurt our feet on some sharp objects. So we use like animal skin to protect under our feet just to get some protection. But this, of course, evolved a lot over time. And I think the the most, as I see it, the most impactful event of this was the the industrial revolution because what happened then was that we needed to uh, people wanted to mass produce shoes quickly and they said pretty much what if we make one mold that can fit both shoes so i mean both feet sorry so basically making a symmetrical shape that could fit Mm -hmm. both feet and and uh that, that and you because before that you probably went to your local shoemaker and he you said okay I want a, a left shoe and I want a right shoe and he made the left and a right but then starting to mass mass produce making that symmetrical shape but the problem is the feet are not symmetrical but they've kind of turned symmetrical now that we're we're wearing those over a lot of years and of course that is carried on into fashion of all these years where today you know the big companies don't use the same the same sole for both feet but it's kind of that the shape is so rooted into our culture into our fashion into everything that it's very hard to to go away from that does that make sense yeah absolutely so what what are some of the problems typically caused by modern shoes you've discussed those briefly but go into more detail about the potential harm or real harm that is being caused by the shoes that most people are wearing every day yeah i mean up to the latest statistics I saw is that up to 75% of people will actually experience some kind of foot pain during their life. And we believe in our team, I'm, I'm not the physio, but the rest of the physios and the fit, feet experts and the sports scientists, they believe that almost all of that is preventable. And almost all of that is due to the fact that we put our feet into shoes from a very young age and we stop moving as the body intended. And these, this, of course, has a lot of consequences, like people have flat feet, which is, you know, connected to the arch. And then, but one of the things that I find that maybe most heartbreaking is that if we look at the older generation, one of the number one causes of death is losing balance and falling, right? And uh, it's a huge problem. And if we look at balance, this is a test anyone can perform at home. If you take your, your shoes off, your socks off and everything, and you kind of put pinch your toes together just like they probably already are for most of people and then you try to stand on one leg with your eyes closed most people in the western world have a very hard time to do that for one minute but if you spread your toes out you align your big toe all of a sudden people get so much better balance in a millisecond because the foot starts working right as it was intended you're supposed to be able to take some of that uh, you know, twisting on, onto your, or load onto your big toe. So that's what we see in like, um, you know, uncontacted tribes. When you look at the photos of their feet, they, they are so wide, they are mm-hmm. so aligned. And when, when people have visited them, even the, the 80 year olds can stand on one leg for minutes with their eyes closed. 
So there's some kind of disconnect there. And there's something that happens there that uh, and they, and they also have uh, to go into deeper of your, of your question there. If we look at how the foot um, affects performance, mobility, strength, all of these things, it's, uh, it, it's quite remarkable how forgotten it is actually. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, as you said at the beginning, I mean, it's the, it's the base, it's our connection point between us and the ground. So whether you're just standing still or you're balancing or you're walking or you're doing any type of athletics, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the foundation of it all. So it makes sense very logically, even if someone doesn't know the physiology of it, that if there's a problem at the base, if there's a problem at the foundation, then that's going to have an impact throughout the entire kinetic chain. Yeah, so I mean, you can't, you can't okay. expect the, the body to work if the foundation is messed up, right? I mean, that just makes logical sense. If you, if you would destroy a tree at the root, you would never expect the, the rest of the tree to be functioning or healthy. So just from a logical perspective, it, it makes sense. Yeah, Sorry absolutely. Yeah, no, all good. So when you started your, your company, Wide Footwear, tell me, tell me about the process of going about trying to create this perfect shoe. What was that process like? What were the iterations and what were, obviously you've talked about the four primary things that most shoes get wrong. So talk me through how you went about tackling that problem. Yeah, that, that was a lot of headaches over two years to get that right. It's especially, I would say, because we could never visit the the factory that we were, that we were working with. Um, I think the hardest part was not saying what we wanted. The hardest part was to get our manufacturing partners to understand why we wanted it. Um, and also with you know machinery, we could not use a lot of the existing machinery. We had to make new ones uh, because everything is tailored to, to this normal shape of a shoe. Uh, even down to like connecting the sole to the upper material. That has this, that machine has a specific shape where it takes, and our, ours just didn't work there. So we needed to, to, um, you know, buy this extremely expensive uh, adapter, pretty much, to fit it there. But I think, I think tackling all of these issues, one big thing that we were thinking about that, that we thought was a problem, and why we even started the the brand in the first place, was that we want, didn't want people to go from one extreme to the other because we have to remember that a lot of people have been walking in these shoes for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So it's very hard to, if, if I felt that it was hard to go from the traditional shoes to like the super minimalist barefoot shoes, then probably more people are going to feel that. And a, people that are in a lot worse shape than I am. And we wanted to have a solution for everybody. So uh, so what we did was that we said the most important thing of the shoe is the toe box, where the, the toes can actually spread as intended. And I think everything that we do is guided from that. Then there will be, like we talked about before, some shoes that we make will have other characteristics that may be a thicker sole to help some people, or maybe that's better for walking on an unnatural surface downtown or other things like that. But the one thing that we will never budge on is the, the shape of the toe box. But going back to the, the process of manufacturing, I think, like, like I said before, one of the four is, is the, the toe spring, for example, where it curves up in the beginning and in the, at the end of the toes. 
I remember this very clearly with speaking to our manufacturing partner. I said, so at the front, we don't want a toe spring. And he was like, but, but I can make you a toe spring. You don't have to worry about that. And I said, but yeah, I know you can make it, but I don't want it. And he almost couldn't understand like why I wouldn't want it. Uh, so there's been a lot of funny moments like that in the process. But, and then, and then like one of the most important things is our soul. It's just a little bit thicker than normal barefoot. We don't call ourselves a barefoot shoe. We call ourselves a functional footwear, but it's a whole science in itself. And I'm happy I was a little bit naive going into this because it's not just to just say, let's just make a sole. This is the stack height, whatever. But it's a whole science in like the density and the, the blending of materials to make it bend like you want. And that's what I would say took the majority of the time to create and to, per, to perfect um, for it to become exactly like we wanted. A lot of headings. Our podcast today is sponsored by The Wellness Company. Did you know that nearly 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are produced overseas? That's an alarming statistic. If you don't have an emergency kit on hand, it's time to get prepared. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications that every single American should keep in stock. It comes with a 22-page instruction guide on safe medical use for everything from snake bites to COVID to bioterror events. Another stellar product from The Wellness Company is Spike Support. Whether you got vaxxed or not, the virus is still among us in some capacity, as well as the related spike protein. Spike protein can cause brain fog, tissue damage, blood clots, and more. Spike support is a detoxification powerhouse that aims to strengthen the body's natural immunity and flush out spike protein, so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling. Get both of these products by going to twc.health forward slash Zuby and get 15% off with the discount code Zuby. That's twc.health forward slash Zuby and use discount code Zuby to get 15% off. Disclosure, the medical emergency kit is only available to U.S. residents. Yeah, no, I, I can understand. I'm, I'm curious to know because, you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, people with everything, it doesn't matter if it's a physical product or something digital or even service-based, people see the end result, but the process is usually hidden. So someone can go on a website and they can, oh, look at this shoe, look at this phone, look at this book look at this music whatever it is and they're oblivious of the process right they just see a shoe and it's like cool it's a shoe so i'm curious to know you know going from going to a foot specialist and asking for a recommendation for an ideal shoe and he doesn't know and that sparks something in your brain as an athletic guy and you go to your brother and you're thinking okay how can we do this and then you've got to go through the iterations work with people in foreign factories um how many different how many different um examples uh would you what's the what's the right word samples um samples yes how many how many samples how many iterations did you go through before you had something where you were like okay this is something we can be proud of and we can go to market with yeah it's a good question i think a north of somewhere around 12 to 15, I would say, until we were really happy with it. And uh, the thing that should be said there is every time we got a new one, I was sure that this was going to be the one, you know, that now now we got it. But it's a good lesson, I think. And and as I said, it took two years to, to manufacture and to get to the point where we're ready to launch. And two years is quite a long time uh, for a lot of people. I think a lot of people give up after like three, six months, 
uh, if they don't see a result. Two days. <laughs> two days, maybe. <laughs> two weeks, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think for, for us, I think it was good that we had each other throughout that because I think alone it would have been a lot harder. So to have a, a partner is, is key, I think. But yeah, we, you know, just in, been enjoying the journey. And as we said in the beginning, look, we love the shoe. And if it doesn't sell, at least we'll have thousands of pairs for the rest of our lives. It's unlimited Christmas gifts for, for friends and family. So luckily that didn't happen. And it's been quite, quite a success so far. But yeah. Who was your first customer? First customer was this very nice lady called Maria here in Sweden. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that when the, the phone plinged the first time. Uh, it was very, very, very nice moment. Uh, That's awesome, man. Yeah. So what's the, what's the plan for it now? When did, when did uh, Wide Footwear launch? When, when, did it, when did you officially open up? We launched in the middle of May of this year. Okay. It's so very new. Just a couple months. Okay, cool. So we're not even at the six-month mark yet. Nope. Okay. And do you, are you selling them worldwide at the moment through the website or is it just certain regions? We started selling worldwide, but then we got crushed on shipping yeah. uh, through the, to the U S especially because we had quite a lot of interest from, from the U S. Uh, so then we did only Europe for a while and it's been doing that well, but now, now we actually, last week we found a way to start shipping worldwide again. So starting next week, sometime we will be uh, going worldwide again. So I know there's a lot of Americans uh, that are kind of sending us messages all the time asking. So that that's, uh, it's going to be fun to finally get back there. Something oh, close fantastic. to my heart, of course, because I lived there for, for five years and I, I, um, I'd like to give it, the, especially because the funny thing about the U S is you realize, cause in Sweden, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you're, you're, you've lived in several different places I, I know as well, but in Sweden, it's normal to take off your shoes when you come home. Right. But in the U.S., people wear shoes all the time. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. so weird when I when I first moved to the U.S. and I was like, come, I went home to people and it's like, why why are people wearing shoes like sitting here on the couch? This is completely weird to me. Uh, so I think the U.S. is probably one of the countries that needs our product the most, to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. mean, it's it's the biggest market for sure for a product like That's that, good. and also it's one of the le- it is. I mean at least in the Western Anglosphere, it's probably the least healthy country. I'm sure it's got, it's got the most athletes, but it's also the least healthy country. So you've got an interesting dichotomy there where you've got millions of people who are massively into sports and training and going to the gym and even top level athletes. But then you've also got a general population that to be frank is very overweight and very out of shape. Um, I'm in the USA right now. I, I see it constantly. Um, People aren't, people are not in good shape here in general, you know, especially compared to somewhere like Sweden, you know, UK is not great either, but UK is a little bit better. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, I think with the right, I think with the right, you know, branding and marketing and messaging and just awareness, like, I, I think, I think you can crush it. I think it's a very intriguing, I haven't tried out the shoes myself yet, but, um, as someone who, yeah, as someone who, as someone who thinks about these things and who's in the gym, you know, five times a week, whatever country I'm in, um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I, I think about a lot myself because even I've been like I, I have searched on Google before. You know, what are the best what are the best training shoes? What are the best type of shoes for squats? What are the best shoes to deadlift in? What are the best you know just general all around lifting shoes? Because I travel all the time. I can't be packing you know eight eighteen different pairs of shoes in my bag. I just want one pair of shoes for the gym that I can take on the road with me. So with myself as someone who is always traveling, always on the road 
going to the gym, lots of different places. I, I can't be, you know, and typically I travel with one big suitcase and a smaller one, so I can't pack. I don't have the space nor the weight to pack, you know, a dozen different types of shoe. So I've spent, I've, I've many times over the years, I've been training for good grief, 20 years at this point. And, um, you know, I'm, I want to know, okay, what is, what is the best all round shoe that I can have for my type of training? You know, do I pack my, uh, Converse Chuck Taylors? Do I pack, um, you know, Nike Air Maxes? Do I pack some type of barefoot shoe? What, what should I do? You know? Um, so it's a, it's a massive question. And I think that more and more people, whether they're just everyday athletes or they're professional athletes are asking those type of questions. So I think, um, I think you've jumped on a very big opportunity here. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's already a big market. I mean, we have some players in our in our industry that do $100 million plus. Uh, so there's a lot of interest. And I, I do think when I, I'm looking at trends, it's definitely growing over the past couple of years. Um, and I think it's something that will continue to, to grow because as soon as people try it and give it like 30 days, it's very hard to go back. It's very hard to put your feet back into the tight narrow shoes uh, i mean i i personally i find a little bit heartbreaking because I've, I've spent a lot of money on shoes and i have a lot of them that are collecting dust right now because i can't wear anything other than my own brand at this point and i think but that's a good lesson also because one thing that i've learned throughout this is that there are a lot of not a lot of brands that try to do better functional shoes but they mostly look quite awful and they're not if we're going to put it nicely, they're not a, shoes that a 16-year-old can look at and think, that's the coolest shoe that I've ever seen. It's mostly like very minimal, very athletic, maybe very, you know, just think, not appealing. Yeah, I think, I think when you focus absolutely on function yep. rather than appearance or fashion, then it become, that becomes visible. And, you know, someone who's designed, trying to design the perfect shoe might not like the idea that looks matter or, you know, you've got some people who think, oh, you know, looks don't matter. All everything's about comfort and function. And the truth is, look, if you, if you are someone who cares about style at all, or if you're a young person and you want to look cool and you want to have some cool shoes that your friends can say, Hey, cool shoes, man, they, they have to look cool. They have to look cool. Like they, they can't look goofy. If, if, if my feet look goofy, but I'm there telling everyone, yeah, but like, you know, these are all the features people, people don't really care. Right. It's like yeah. first things first, it's what you see. Yeah. It, it's how human beings are, right. We're visual creatures and yeah. I'm sure you can, you know, it looks like you found that amalgamation between something that looks cool and also has all the properties that you've said. Cause when I, when I look at the shoes on your site, I don't, I can tell that there's, there's something different about them, especially like with the, with the wider toe box, but they don't look I've seen all sorts of shoes, but they, they don't look goofy. They don't look like, okay, these are some, I don't know, Ninja, Ninja Turtle type shoes or some <laughs> like very weird. <laughs> like, like I look at them, I'm like, okay, cool. I could wear these without feeling like I've got some weird goofy thing on my feet. So Yeah, but uh, yeah, and I think that's something that I think about a lot too, because I think, sure, the ones we have now, our first model is very minimalist, very clean. We w didn't want it to stand out that much because I know the shape does stand out quite a lot. But I think something that will become a lot more visible in our coming releases, hopefully later this year, early next year, is that we're trying to compete with the, the coolest shoes on the market. 
you know, the the cool Nike Air Forces, the Adidas Yeezys and, and these things. Because I do think like to to make a real change, we have to capture the youth. We can't just get people when they're 35, 40 years old, when they realize, oh, my feet hurt. We have to kind of realize that there is a root cause of this and people, young people are, are destroying their feet from a young age. So I, th- I think that's where I dream of like my future kids to grow up in a world where they can wear maybe our brands to school. And then they can be like, okay, oh, you have the new one, the new wide shoe. That's super cool. Like, I want that too. And it's not like, oh, what, what is that? You know, that that's kind of my vision for it. And I think that will be actually quite a pleasant surprise with our next release, which is a sneaker. Um, so I'm very excited for it. And I, I've shown it to a lot of people in that category of people. And some, I've been pretty surprised with the feedback. People that would I would never see wearing our brand three months ago have said, I need those when they are out. And okay. to me, to me, that's, that's a big compliment. And that's what makes it really exciting to, to release it uh, whenever that is. Depending that's on the awesome, day. man. Yeah, dude. Um, I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, I look forward to checking out the, the shoes myself and um, man, props, props to you for making it happen as well. Like I know it's um, I know you're just a few months in at the moment, but I can see the vision. I can tell just from talking to you that, you've thought this through very well, right? You're a diligent guy. You're a conscientious person. You've actually got a vision for this. So I can tell when I'm talking to someone who isn't just like, I don't know, there's a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs out there, right? Lots of entrepreneurs and people who are, oh, what about this? What about that? And they never execute on every, anything. They don't, yeah. they don't stick to anything. They don't have any vision. Um, and I think that you're, you're tackling an important, an important problem that people don't think is important. I, I, I think just in general, we, we live in a very weird time where as much as we sort of talk about health, sometimes it's, it's, it's not a very serious conversation most of the time, right? And it very quickly just goes to, oh, you know, what kind of pills can you give people or yeah. what kind of uh, this? It, it's, it's all about just shortcuts, especially in the USA, right? Even more so in the USA, it's people want, you know, just take this supplement or take this drug or do this thing. And and what I like about what you're doing is it's kind of back to the basics on a very literal sense. It's literally, let's go to the foundation. Let's, you know, what are you doing all day? You're standing, you're walking. Um, Some people are not doing enough of that, unfortunately, but you know, people, everybody at least is, uh, you know, standing up and walking around a little bit. So let's look at the shoes. Let's go back to square one. And let's look at what we're even sticking on our feet every single day. And um, I, I think it's good to challenge that status quo and to get people get people thinking about it. Because I, I can say even when you uh, when you reached out to me, when we were discussing, you know, doing this podcast, I, you know, it made me think, OK, what about shoes? Like I've got a lot of shoes, right? <laughs> like yourself, I've got a lot of shoes. And it's like, actually, what? OK, I've never really thought about this much. I've spent a lot of time thinking of, you know what's the right angle to hit my biceps or what's the perfect way to deadlift or bench press or this or that, but haven't spent that much time thinking, okay, well, what, what should actually be on my feet if anything, while I'm doing all this. So, um, I like the fact that it's, it's challenged me and that's part of why I wanted to have the conversation. Cause it was like, okay, what are we missing about feet? What are we missing about shoes and what can we do to optimize our health? Yeah. And I think one of the cool things about it is that we're so driven by culture and how we, how it's always been right and I think I got this very nice email from this lady called Eva the other week. And she said, when I first looked at the shoes, I left. And I said, there's no way this is going to work. 
But then I gave it two weeks. And now my eyes have, and my vision has shifted. And now I, I think all my other shoes look weird. <laughs> and now I think this is what is the most comfortable and I can't walk in anything else. But also, and I, and I find that with myself a lot too. Like for example, when we got our new sneaker, the samples, for the latest samples, uh, just five days ago or something, I'm looking at them and it's like, okay, first reaction is a little weird, but then I start walking in them and I see how they respect the anatomy of the foot. And then I start looking at my other shoes that are collecting dust in my hallway. And I think that is weird. Why do shoes look like that? That the foot doesn't look like that. And I think that's quite powerful. And I, 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 I've, you know, from our part, I mean, our, um, colleagues uh that we are conducting a, a large study with uh, at myfit function they uh, they see the same thing too and have seen the same thing over the past 10 years and i think that's something that i like that you say that it challenged you right because i, I i'd like it to challenge people and it's not for everyone everyone is not gonna going to wear a wide shoe but even just walking walking barefoot more for mm-hmm. all the americans that are tuning into this is uh it's very powerful. Well, you say you say you know not everyone's going to wear it, but who who knows, man? Who knows? You could be starting a revolution. I think when they released the first iPhone uh, about you know seventeen years ago, right? I don't think they thought. I'm sure you know people. Most people it, people thought it, it wasn't for most people, right? Why do I want a, a phone with no buttons, right? <laughs> Why would I it's want like, a phone with no buttons? Like they completely destroyed what people were used to, and now every single manufacturer, every single manufacturer regardless of the country now if you see someone with a phone with buttons you're like man why what are these what are these buttons for right why isn't it just a screen so who knows maybe uh even some of these you know i wouldn't be surprised if you you know if you can get this to enough people if it sets off a rethinking around other companies because even even i myself i'm thinking it's strange that it's strange that most of the big shoe brands they don't even have this as an option They've tried. Weird. They've tried, but it didn't okay. sell well for them. Interesting. Uh, and uh, there's too much money, I would say, in uh, just doing business as usual. There, there are people who have, you know, exited the big companies that are that that have said that they know that this is a problem, but that there's too much money involved. And I think that's the big challenge that we have. There's, you know, there's a lot of money on the other side, and then we are coming here as, you know, we. Two brothers who started the company but we're, we were gaining traction and i think that's that's powerful and the word of mouth part of it is is and can be very powerful which is why it's amazing to talk about it in depth like this on a podcast because you never know you know maybe a couple thousand people hear this and then they talk about it with their friends and then they're like all start to think about it and then you you know you never know the ripple effect oh, dude. But, yeah yeah but i'll, as I I'll say, tell you straight out man do do not underestimate do not underestimate um your power as an individual. Yeah. This is something, I mean, uh, I've known it for a long time, but more now than ever, you know, one person or a couple of people, if you have, if you have a good idea and you put it out there to the world and you've got a good product or service or whatever it is, you will be astonished by just how far it can reach, especially in this day and age, because the interconnectivity is just, is just insane. Right. I mean, you know, obviously you, you, you're on my, you're on my radar now. And then by us doing this podcast, boom, that puts it on, you know, many thousands more people's yeah. radars. And then, yeah, it just, it just ripples outwards, man. So 
I'm excited about it, man. It's uh, I, I think it's cool. It's not that often that um, I hear about a new company or a new product, and I myself am like, actually, that's that's genuinely innovative, and that's intriguing, and that's actually fixing a problem. Um, it's typically more just copying what already exists and sort of sticking a different label on it. So I do like the fact that you know you've really put a lot of thought and time into this and are doing something different, man. So. I wish you all the best with it, man. Where can people find and follow you online, Melker? Yeah, I mean, I think just searching for wide footwear, W-Y-D-E, and then footwear is the best place to start. Instagram, Twitter, website. It's easy to, there's more information there too that you can read more about like why uh, our shoe is, is good and other shoes maybe have less favorable characteristics. Um, but I think, yeah, in general, I mean, just just following us and and seeing what we're coming up with later this year uh, and i wanted to say also that there's this i mean you had elon on your on your podcast a couple of months ago right yep. there's one one quote from him that i read this is many years ago maybe 10 years ago that he said that we cannot just make with tesla we cannot just make the the best electric vehicle because that's boring and people are not going to like that but we have to try to make the best vehicle uh, in general and i think the, the that quote is i think about that every day because it's like so powerful and i think the same way about about the shoes right we cannot just try to make the best functional shoe that's really boring like we have to try to make the best shoe and that's something that i i hope you know it's like aim for the stars land on the treetops right but i think we we there's something that we are going to try to do and um we, i hope i hope people will see that going forward that's awesome Melker, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Love what thanks. you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you, Zubi.